0: Good morning again. It is, uh, it's been an encouragement to my spirit today to worship with you and for you to be here. Um, if this is your first time back in a little while, we want to say welcome. We're glad that you're here. I want to actually, now that you're seated and comfortable, and ask you to stand back up and uh, do something we, get, we did last week for the first time. We haven't been able to do this in a while. If you see someone, I know sometimes when you're coming in, you, you see people, but you don't get to actually visit with them. I want to take just a couple of minutes greet somebody around you that you didn't have a chance to say hello to, uh, and then we'll jump into our sermon. So let's do that right now really quickly. All right, thank you guys for doing that. If you want to go ahead and find uh, your spot again, we'll jump into our sermon time. So much about uh, who we are. Is, as a body is, is expressed in moments like that where we get to uh, share a hug, a handshake, uh, a smile, some laughter, a conversation. And so I uh, appreciate you taking an opportunity to greet one another, uh, those around you. We're, we are in week three of a study, studying through the book of 1 John. And we're going to be in uh, the second part of, middle part I guess really of chapter two today. And I've mentioned in the first couple weeks, just want to remind you today, John's primary purpose in writing this letter, this short letter in 1 John, is to try to reinforce and strengthen the faith of a group of believers. He wants them to know that their faith matters. He wants them to know that living for Jesus matters. He wants them to know that Jesus coming to earth changed everything for them and for us. And I chose this, this study of this book because I think that, That's where we are, too. Like, we need to know today, after the year we've all lived through, that living for Jesus still matters. Church still matters. Faith still matters. And what John is doing in this letter is saying in as many different ways as he can, he kind of repeats himself. So if some of these sermons start to sound the same, it's John's fault, not mine. Uh, He's saying in as many different ways as he can, hold on to Jesus. Love your neighbor. Walk in the light. Walking in the light is, is important and it matters. Being obedient to Christ and living out what we believe, our living out our faith, is as important as it's ever been before. And so we're going to pick up this morning uh, in 1 John chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 7 uh, in just a minute. I want, to, I want to just begin with the word of prayer, and then we're going to look a little bit back to what we talked about last week before we jump into uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Let's pray quickly as we begin. Father... Uh, We're thankful for the church and for the bride of Christ that she is. We're thankful that uh, your plan is for your people to be in community with one another, to be an expression of you here on earth. And God, we pray that you will strengthen this particular church. Uh, You'll strengthen the churches in this town and in this country and around the world, God, that the body of Christ will uh, continue to be the light in this world that you have imagined for us to be. This morning, God, as we we think about light and love and the difference that they make, we pray that you'll give us ears to hear and eyes to see all that you want us to hear and see, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, before we look ahead, I want to just quickly look back. Uh, This is not because I'm assuming some of you have forgotten last week's sermon, though I am assuming most of you have forgotten last week's sermon. Uh, It's because really what John started talking about in the beginning of 1 John chapter 2, he's going to, in the end of chapter 1, he really kind of continues in what we're going to study today. And so last Sunday, we talked a lot about light. Light, I said, is one of the main themes of this letter. We looked at 1 John chapter 1 verse 5, where he says, this is the message we have heard from him, Jesus, and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And one of the points that I made about this verse and about the verses that surround it is that Jesus wants to illuminate and inform every aspect of your life. That Jesus' light wants to shine, Jesus desires for it to shine upon every dark place of our hearts, every aspect of your personal life. If you're married, Jesus' light needs to shine on your marriage, if you work, Jesus' light wants to shine on your work. If you're in school, Jesus' light wants to illuminate and inform how you are a student or a a teacher, an employee in a school district. Jesus' light desires to inform and illuminate all of our relationships, which is part of what we're going to talk about today. Those with our friends, those within the church, those people who we consider enemies. Jesus' light wants to shine on our big decisions and our small decisions on every part of our lives, on our time and how we spend our time. And we don't always think of it. This is another way we say this is Jesus is Lord, right? Jesus, if Jesus is Lord, then Jesus gets a say over every aspect of our life. And the reason that Jesus wants to do this is because he is making you and I more like him. So any dark places that exist in our hearts, any dark places that exist in our lives, Jesus wants to illuminate and transform those. So this theme of light is a big, big, big part of what we talked about last week, and it continues to be a theme today and throughout the rest of this letter. And in today's passage, John is going to introduce another one of his main ideas, love. Love is the, probably the biggest thing that he talks about repetitively in this letter. John never tires of talking about love. You, you saw just a little glimpse of that picture. You, can, you guys can go ahead and put that back up there. I don't know if you remember the Disney movie Frozen. How could you not remember it? It, Everybody watched it multiple times, probably more than you wanted to. In the movie Frozen, the princesses get all the attention, and probably rightfully so. But one of the real stars of the movie Frozen is this snowman, Olaf. Olaf experiences love for the first time in the movie and he says, he has this great line in the movie. He says, as he's experiencing love for the first time, he doesn't know what love feels like. And so he says, is this love? I love love. And that's what John thinks too, I've decided. John loves love. And John wants you to love love. Love, is, John believes, is the glue that makes Christianity continue to move forward. Without love, the whole thing falls apart. Without love, everything we believe is for nothing. Love is the way. John wants you and I to love love. And so I want to pick up this morning in 1 John chapter 2, verse 7. This is what John writes. He says, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the mess next slide this old command is the message you have heard yet i am writing you a new command next slide please its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining right away you hear in these first two verses of 1 john chapter 2 that john loves love this translation that we just read at niv begins with these words, dear friends. He he, he calls them dear friends. But some translations use the word beloved. John isn't writing a letter to strangers. He's writing to friends. He's writing to people he knows. Most people believe this is a letter to a group of Christians with with whom he had significant relationship, a beloved community of people. And he begins this part of this letter by saying, friends who I love, I'm not writing to you a new command, I'm writing to you an old command. But then he says, yet I am writing you a new command. So we're going, which one is it, John? Is it a new command or is it an old command? And the answer is both. It's an old command and it is a new command. It's old because Jesus said it originally in the gospel that John wrote. In John chapter 13, verse 34, this is what he said. He said, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another and so when jesus said this it was a new command but now when we're, we're reading this morning in 1 john chapter 2 many years have passed john is an old man by the time he writes the words in 1 john which makes it an old command right But it's also new because God is doing a new thing in Jesus. So here's how I would describe this to you. It would be like if I bought a used car and then you said to me, Hey, Doug, did you buy a new car? To which I would say, I did. Well, it isn't new, but it's new to me, right? It's an old car, but it's a new car to me. So there's a difference in the way that we think about these words. One is new in terms of quality, Right? If you drove the car off the car lot, it would be new in quality. The other is new in terms of time, how long you've had it. And that's what John is saying in this command. The commandment to love one another is not new in time. It's been around for a long time, John says. But now it's new in quality because of Jesus Christ. The old commandment to love one another is taking on new meaning because of Jesus' life and death. Love is the foundation on which this new kingdom that God is building is going to be built. And because of this, it is both old and it is also new. And what's interesting, if you notice this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, the commandment of love to, to love of one another is not even actually mentioned specifically. It's almost just assumed, right? They know how much love means to John and how much John likes to talk about love, how much John loves love. And even though John didn't tell them specifically, he says... I'm giving you a new command. It's not really new. It's old, but it's new now. He doesn't specifically mention. He just sort of references this command, but they all know. He assumes they know that what he's talking about. It's as if, as if they've all read his gospel, right? They've heard what he's written down about what Jesus said. Maybe some of them are still around and have heard, heard it for themselves when Jesus said it as well. So we're going to continue to talk about love in chapter 3 in a couple of weeks. But I mention all of that in part because of what he says next. Love isn't just an idea. Love is not just something that we think. Love is an action. John wants love to influence our lives as well. So let's pick up in 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. This is what he says next. He says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because darkness has blinded them. So John's been talking about light. He reminds them about this love command. And this is what these verses are about. Now he's saying this. You've heard me talk about light. Now you've heard me reference this love command that's old but's also new. Now he's saying, apply what you've learned. Apply what it looks like to live in the light. Apply what it looks like it means to be children of light. Apply what it looks like in real life to love God and love your neighbor. And the first place that he challenged us to start applying this old and new command is in the church, the beloved community of Christ. Dear friends, this is why he says, if anyone claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister, he's specifically talking about other believers. A brother or sister, if if you claim to believe in Christ, just let that sit with you for a second, but hate a brother or sister, a fellow believer, might be a part of this church, might not be, they are actually in darkness. In other words, it is impossible to be in fellowship with the Father and out of fellowship with another Christian at the same time, which is a sobering thought, quite honestly. It's impossible to be in fellowship with the Father and out of fellowship with another Christian at the same time. This is a really, I think, a heavy teaching from John. In the same way that love and light go together, John is saying hatred and darkness go together. And if hatred and darkness are going to influence the church, it will be because we are not loving one another. We're not allowing Christ's light to shine in us and through us into our relationships with one one another. But on the other hand... If a Christian walks in light and is in fellowship with God, they'll also be in fellowship with God's family, is what he's saying. And this heavy, I think it's a heavy teaching because this isn't the way we always think about our relationship with God, right? We mostly think God and I are good. God loves me. He's a good, good father. And and those things are true. But John says, yes, that's true. And it's not either or, it's both. And God does love you and God expects something about our behavior toward God each other hate of another believer is to be to be completely eradicated from our way of life and maybe you would say "Well, i don't feel hate towards them okay well then use one of hate's cousins right strong irritation dislike annoyance avoidance right because i think that's sort of how we dismiss it well i don't really hate them yeah but you know how you feel right It's everything, you want to say everything but hate. And according to this teaching, you can't hate a brother or sister and love God. And this is what he's saying. He's saying it's impossible to be in fellowship with the Father, the fellowship, the kind of fellowship that we want, and be out of fellowship with another Christian at the same time. Jesus actually talks about this. This idea is not new for John. Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 when he says these words. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar, there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. What is is Jesus saying in these words? If you think about that passage from the Sermon on the Mount, think of what happens at the altar as worship? Right? So your worship is of no value as long as the worshiper has a dispute that is unsettled with a brother or sister. And that, that is what John is saying in 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Love of God and love of other people are one in the same. How we love God is determined based on how we love other people. These are the greatest commands, might be another way to say it. Love God and love neighbor. Jesus says the second is like it. He, he equates love of neighbor to love of God. You can't do one without the other. And even though he's talking specifically here in 1 John, I think about how we relate to other Christians. Really, I think hate of any kind should be eradicated from the life of a believer. And why is that? Why would I say that? Because we are children of light. And hate... And darkness are the same thing. You are a person of light. And and I want to just say, as a person of light, maybe a way to think about this is, as a person of light, you're given the charge to love people well. right? And I believe with all my heart that love for another person, whether or not they reciprocate that love back to you, will never be wasted. Love of another person. Whether or not they give it back in return will never be wasted. It will always cast light into dark places. This is what love does. And for John, love is a primary way that the the world becomes attracted to Jesus. Right? Love for another, for one another is how light gets shared. Love is powerful because this is what happens with love. Think about what love has the ability to do. Love has the ability to disarm. Reactions like anger and bitterness. It is hard to be angry and bitter at someone who is actively trying to love you. Love can cover up jealousy, love makes forgiveness possible, love lights our path and makes the way forward easier. I recently heard a story about a man who was walking down a street, a dark street, one night. And he saw a light coming from the other direction toward him. And this light was sort of faltering as it was coming his direction. He thought that the person carrying the light might be sick or might be drunk. But as he got closer, he could see that the man had a flashlight. And he was also carrying a white cane. He determined he was blind. And he thought to himself, why in the world would a man who is blind be carrying a flashlight? So he decided to ask, and the blind man smiled and said, I carry my light, not so I can see, but so that others can see me. I cannot help being blind, he said, but I can help from being a stumbling block. And this is why I believe love for one another in the church is so important. When we are loving one another the way that God has called us to do, when we are living in the light the way that God has called us to live, we are less likely to stumble ourselves and we are less likely to be a stumbling block for other people. There will never be any shortage of, of reasons for a church, for a family, for a society to disagree. Right? But John, what John is saying is that the solution is to love one another. This, the goal isn't for us to all agree about everything or to think exactly the same about every single thing. In fact, I think one of the things, and you've probably heard me say it before, one of the, the things, the reason that the church is such a beautiful, special thing is because we are all different. Nobody would want a church full of only you, as great as you are. And nobody would want a church full of only me. right? This is, so we, we, we gain strength and encouragement because of our differences. But all, what, what the enemy wants to do is to turn those differences against each other, and to make us think that's actually our weakness. And I would suggest that our differences are actually where our strength comes from. Because it gives us the ability to love. And love can be hard at times, right? Some of you are hard to love at times. I can be hard to love at times. But this is what makes a church so special. And in the world, this is what we know. In the world, people only love people that love them. As soon as someone stops loving them, they go, I'm done with you. And as Christians, we can very easily, we we are all too easily pulled into that same mentality. So I want you to think about church. This is like a practical way to think about church. The church is a place that you and I get to practice loving people that are different from you, from us. The reason that that's important is that as we practice loving people that are different from us, what happens is that as we live in the world, we we still live in the world, that's our reality, but as we do that, we're better at loving our neighbors, better at loving our enemies, because we've had lots of practice doing that with people in the community of Christ. Love for another person is never wasted. But there is a kind of love that John warns against, and I want to read about that In verse 15, 1 John 2, verse 15, this is what he says. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. We could meditate on that sentence for a month alone. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. John, John isn't saying here, I want to say, tell you what he's not saying, first of all. John is not saying here that you and I should hate the world that God created. God said the world is good, and God believes that it is good, and God wants us to believe that the world is good. God, John isn't against pleasure or enjoying good things. God loves the world, and we should love the world, too. What John is doing in these verses, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, is he's being honest. He's acknowledging the way, observing the world as he sees it. He knows that we live in the world and that is our reality and that what happens is, if we're honest with ourselves, that over time, the world influences the way we live. The priorities of the world become more important to us than the priorities of Christ. We start caring more, maybe another way to say it, caring more for the things of the world than the things of God. And this is different for all of us, right? But the term that John uses here to talk about this is desires, the world's desires. that come. You know, and he uses these three phrases, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And there are three very real temptations for people, but certainly they're not the only three. Some people think you can kind of boil those three down to sex, money, and power, and, and maybe that's true to a certain extent. But I, I think what he's really doing here is he's kind of giving us some overarching categories to make a point. And that point is that love, our love, in our attempts to love well, our love can be misguided. We can wrong, love the wrong things. And I want to just think about these, these three phrases for a minute the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes the pride of life. He mentions lust twice and pride. So those are the words that I want to focus on. Lust, if you think about what lust is, it's not always sexual, but it might mostly be, but it's not always. You can lust for lots of things. And lust is the opposite of love. This is how how that's the case. Lust is the opposite of love because it's selfish. Love is not selfish, right? Right? It objectifies something. Lust objectifies something or someone for the purpose of self-gratification. In order to make myself feel better, I look at or pursue that thing or want that thing. And pride is a problem because it, it says like, that it destroys the ability to love. Pride says, I don't need you. I don't need God. I've got it all taken care of by myself. So what happens with lust and pride is that our love that's intended for God ends up going to other places, either to external things that can't fulfill us or to ourselves. Pride. It's misplaced. So love can be misguided or misplaced. You can love the wrong things. So what John's saying is really a reinforcement of what he's already said. This is a new command, but it's also an old command. And the application of this new old command starts here. It starts with you, it starts with me, and it starts in the church. Jesus wants to illuminate every dark place in our lives, and the application of that includes how we love one another. Because in our love for one another, church, this world will either see or won't see that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And I know all of us want the world to see that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And so my, my, my challenge to us today, as we think about applying this passage of Scripture, is this. It's really for you just to kind of do business with God as you need to, because I think the application of it is going to individually be unique for all of us. But we as a body will be stronger. Your family will be stronger. You will be healthier if we take these things seriously. If you have any hatred or anger or bitterness, which are the cousins of hatred, in your heart toward a brother or sister, I want to say to you, the beloved community of Christ, dear friends, please do not wait any longer to deal with it. Deal with it. Let Christ's light illuminate that part of your life that is still in darkness and give you the courage to pursue reconciliation. The hardest step in that process will be the first step. The first phone call, the first text, the first walking up to someone and saying, can we talk for a minute, right? That'll be the hardest part. And after that, there may be some hard conversations that take place, but the courage to take the first step is always the hardest. And if you do it, your heart will be healthier and, maybe equally important, your ability to impact the world with Jesus' light will be greater because your heart will be less dark as a result of that action. And so that's one practical application of this passage is for you to think about anyone with whom there is anger or bitterness. If it goes as far as hatred, then hatred. Any disagreement from the past, any thing that hasn't been dealt with that you know needs to be dealt with. And the other thing is today, if you, if you feel the love of the world's desires have consumed you, and it happens, right? It, it is a, a part of the struggle. We live in the world. We all, at times, get pulled into the ways of the world and the attraction of the world's desires. And so I don't want to add shame to that. I just want to be honest about it. And say, if that's the case, let's acknowledge that today. The hardest part will be acknowledging it. Simply acknowledging it, repenting of it. We, we think about, I'm just going to go off for just a second and say, we think about repent and repentance and confession. If you've been in church a long time, you think about those words probably in a way that I don't think is real healthy. Right? We should always be repenting and confessing. It's not just for the worst of sinners to make a long walk down an aisle and to confess something publicly. If, if we acknowledge, if we, if we have the, the ability to acknowledge that the world and its desires are pulling us away, acknowledging that, repenting of that, and confessing that is just simply a step that happens. You might do that with someone else. You might just do it to God. But it's an important start part, part of that process, to simply acknowledge and repent from it, change from it, and go in a different direction. That That's what we do as people of light, when we want to Walk in the light when we want light to break into the darkness of our hearts, and it might mean giving something up, it might mean letting go of something if the world's desires have consumed you. But that decision is made easier because here, everything here the last verse, the world and its desires pass away. When we know that the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever, I I think. Letting go of the world's desires becomes easier when we really sit with this idea that he's talking about that the world and its desires are going to pass away. Nothing that we want here on earth that is temporary is going to last. Think about that. We all want things. We have, we have, we have lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh and the pride of life, and none of that stuff is going to be around forever. It's all temporary. And so the decision to acknowledge that we have these moments where we go, yeah, God, man, I'm I'm struggling with the world and its desires, constantly consuming my thoughts and my heart and my life. That's the first step. And it may be that that, because of that decision, everything after it is made easier. What we're after, what we are always trying to pursue, what John wants to encourage us to pursue is living in God's will because that is where we find Eternal life. That is where we find eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for this this hard teaching from this letter. The reminder that our hearts can be easily swayed one way or another for, for to the world and its desires, the things that are all temporary, but yet that we pursue regularly. We're thankful for this hard and challenging word about love for one another. And I pray this morning, God, that you'll you'll truly, I pray it every Sunday, but I pray you'll truly give us ears to hear what we need to hear from Christ this morning. You'll give us eyes to see what we need to see. You'll give us courage to act in a way we, that we need to act so that reconciliation can happen, so that life change can happen. We can let go of things that we need to let go of. We can build bridges where bridges need to be built because we want to be people of light. We want to be people of love. We want the world to look at us and go, Jesus is unbelievable because of the way they watch us live our lives. We want Jesus Jesus to be the one that gets the credit. We want Jesus to be the one that gets the recognition. We want Jesus to be the one that gets the praise because of the way we live and love, both with one another and the world around us. We pray you'll help us in this, God. Your spirit will empower us to do the thing that we, on our own, would be unable to do. And we're thankful, again, that you are a good father that loves and cares about us enough to encourage us in this way. We know that what you desire, like every good father, is just for your kids to get along so that it sends a good message about our dad. And we pray In the name of our brother and our Savior, Jesus, this morning. And the church said, amen. If you would, stand with me this morning. Haley is going to be getting ready for her baptism, and we're going to sing this next song. If you have prayer needs, you can text those in to 469-770-3007, and let us know those, those we prayed over after Haley's baptism during the shepherd's prayer. grateful that you're here this morning. Uh, If you have other needs that you want to make public, I'll be down front, and I would love to pray with you encourage you to find somebody around you or just talk to the lord about what maybe needs to happen with your heart and with him let's sing together as we do all those things
1: lord
0: the light of your love is shining in
1: the midst of the darkness shining Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free by the truth you now bring us. Shine on me. Shine on me. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with The Father's glory blaze, Spirit blaze, set our hearts on fire. Flow, river flow, flood the nations, with grace and mercy send forth your word, Lord and Lamb. From the shadows into your radiance By the blood I may enter your brightness Search me, try me, consume all my darkness Shine on me Shine on me Shine, Jesus, shine Fill this land with the Father's glory, blaze, spirit blaze, set our hearts on fire. Flow, river flow, flood the nations with grace and mercy, send forth your word, Lord Shine! Fill this land with the Father's glory, blaze, spirit blaze, set our hearts on fire. Flow, river flow, flood the nations with grace and mercy. be seated.
0: <laughs> well, Haley, this is a very proud
1: uh, moment for me and your mama. We've, we've prayed about this for a long time. And uh, the day has come a lot sooner than we expected it would, but we are very happy and very proud. Um, so I got one thing to ask you. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was sent to this earth, died on the cross to save your sins? Yes. Well, based on that confession, I'm now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ready? Johnny Adams is going to lead us in our shepherd's prayer, uh, and then following that will be dismissed. Uh, and if you have a child and children's worship, uh, most of them are up here. So if you can kind of find your way and grab them, so that would be great.